A few days ago, I asked my brother to do me a favor. I asked him to pose a question to his Amazon Echo. He asked, hey Alexa, is Amazon coming to Newark, New Jersey? This was her dulcet-toned response. Amazon selected Arlington, Virginia as the location for its second headquarters. The company will invest more than $2.5 billion to create more than 25,000 jobs. In addition, Amazon selected Nashville for a new center of excellence for its operations business, which will create more than 5,000 jobs. Amazon will also continue to grow and hire across its 17 corporate offices and tech hubs across the U.S. and Canada. Not quite the answer I was looking for. What was missing from that response was the fate of Amazon's bid to open a second headquarters in New York City. Last week, in a very subdued press release, Amazon announced that it would no longer pursue the construction of the second headquarters in New York City. All this came at the end of a year-long courtship between Amazon and several cities and states, including Newark and New Jersey, which submitted a joint bid, where cities competed to vie for Amazon's attention with tax incentives and, in some cases, colorful video presentations. <clears throat> Immediately after Amazon's announcement about New York, almost every media outlet offered its own autopsy of the situation. Some said that the push to prevent Amazon from establishing the new HQ arose from a groundswell of grassroots activism, primarily from Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, City Council Speaker Cory Johnson, and State Senator Michael Gennaris, who specifically decried the special tax incentives offered to Amazon, its anti-union stance, and its relationship with ICE, among other things. Others argued that these were merely the loudest voices in the room and didn't represent the views of actual New Yorkers on the ground, which some polls suggested were in favor of Amazon coming. Either way, within a few days, Mayor Baraka published a piece, not surprisingly, in the Washington Post, seeming to say that the administration wanted Newark to be in contention for the second HQ offered to Amazon. It's unclear whether Amazon is still searching for, to place this HQ after its experience with New York. To discuss Amazon, the abandonment of its plans to build a second headquarters in New York City, and what this means for Newark, are Christian Dean Smith, Rory McQueen, and George Santos. And I'm going to go around and have them introduce themselves. Rory? Hi. Yeah, my name is Rory McQueen. Uh, I currently work as a software engineer um, at Uber in New York City. Been living there for just over a year. Uh, prior to that, I was living in a couple of different places. I was in San Francisco for a while and then living abroad in Brazil for two years. Hi, my name is Christian Dean. I'm an engineer at a startup in New York. I'm originally from Newark, from Ivy Hill, and I um, lived in Seattle as well as Silicon Valley, working for Microsoft and other other tech company. And um, look forward to speaking about Amazon's involvement in the tri-state area and the potential effects if it had landed in 2019. Hi, I'm George Santos. I'm with the uh, Newark Community Economic Development Corporation. We're the city's economic development corporation. I grew up in Elizabeth, right next door to Newark. Uh, my wife and I just bought a house in Forest Hill. And uh, we, uh, sorry, at uh, NCEDC, um, we were part of the whole Amazon push for here in Newark. Thanks. Um, so I just want to start off with, I think <coughs> starting off with New York would be a better place uh, and sort of understanding what the process was like, how, why Amazon initially chose New York, and why they then pulled out. And this is for anyone out there who wants to jump in and sort of explain what happened there. I think at a high level, um, the selections of Northern Virginia near Washington, D.C., as well as New York City and an area adjacent to Manhattan were selections based on the booming market of talent and engineering talent specifically in both those metropolitan areas. Um, traditionally, uh, or over the last few decades, I think Silicon Valley and then to a lesser extent Seattle, maybe Austin, have been associated with tech growth and tech talent in particular. And today, the highest percentage of available engineers or engineering talent is actually in New York City by volume or the New York City metropolitan area. So that is a logical reason to select New York in particular, as well as the area outside D.C. And then there's a lot of other speculation around why those two markets in particular might be um, attractive, especially to a company like Amazon that's, um, that, that relies on shipping and um, just moving of, of uh, processed goods um, internationally, being in... Uh, proximity to two very large ports, 
but I'd say that that's the the primary thing is just talent um, and the average um, salary of the potential employees being so high and and having um, headquarters be specifically a place where people associated with uh, decision making as opposed to just sort of factory or warehouse jobs is another reason to look at those two markets. Right. So the political and the financial capitals of the U.S. and probably even the world, they basically set up outside those two. Um, so political capital, uh, could tell me more about tell me more about your thoughts on that. So what I'm, I guess Crystal City. Yeah, Crystal City, but being so close to what I mean, this is I think what kind of got me a little annoyed about when Amazon announced it was going to Long Island City. Every you know I kind of groaned, and I think a couple other people groaned, being like, it's just New York City. It's one stop off the what, F train, I think. Um, and you're, you're basically setting up in New York City. And with Crystal City, you're you're trying to set up in Washington, City, Washington, which it's very, very small. It's a square that's relatively confined. But you're trying to access the people that are ready in Washington, yeah. D.C. Yeah, so I, I challenge that a little bit, especially on the Long Island City front, because especially as we start getting towards the Newark part of the conversation, it's just as easy to get back and forth from New York, from, from the mid-bound or lower Manhattan to Newark as it is to get over to LIC. Like getting on the E or the F train from somewhere in lower Manhattan over to Queens is very similar to getting on the PATH or NJ Transit over to Newark. And yet those were two different contenders in the uh, sweepstakes that they held. Mm -hmm. So I also think that part of the significance of the, the sort of blowback or the pushback for Amazon coming into New York City is the role that Queens and places like Long Island City um, have held and are kind of holding on to in a way in the New York um, financial and just working landscape. So Manhattan is, is already pretty much priced out most uh, native New Yorkers or, or even a lot of New York transplants and the outer the boroughs that are adjacent to it and then if you want to include Jersey you can if you don't you don't but if you look at Queens and the Bronx and Brooklyn these are places where people can live and then still work in Manhattan and you know make make life work and, and make ends meet in a more reasonable way and so as more and more as those areas increase in price and places along certain train lines or along certain convenience stops get increasingly gentrified, prices of rent go up, and you start losing some of that housing inventory that could be a place for someone to live affordably and then and work and kind of make money in traditionally Manhattan, but I guess today also in um, economic centers that are in the boroughs, but sort of really centrally located. So you could work in Dumbo or downtown Brooklyn or Long Island City already has a number of um, of larger uh, headquarters based. Um, so adding more of that and adding taking away uh, office and housing inventory from, that's affordable and kind of making it um, something more like a, a South, uh, a Soto or South Lake Union in Seattle is part of the challenge. New York, I think, is big enough actually to absorb a good amount of it um, and, and a lot more than I think some of the other contenders, including Newark, in my opinion. Um, but it's, uh, I think a lot of that challenge is that if you shift Long Island City and places like Long Island City to being um, a tech campus, then it just pushes folks further out and then takes away more and more of the space where folks could live and work reasonably before. Okay, so I, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that we need to unpack in there. And I guess I want to take it a step back and look at the competition itself and in New York in particular, which I found kind of amazing. I mean, obviously, New York would want to be a place where Amazon could come. But Amazon was not the first game in town. I mean, most notably, I think most notably, Google was already there. They were setting up on what's called Silicon Alley, which I think is 6th or 7th Avenue in that area. And from what I know, and granted, I'm not as um, deeply versed in that um, in that process on Google coming, but there wasn't this giant, you know, season of The Bachelor that occurred, right, with Google. They sort of said, <laughs> we're out in uh, we're out in the Bay Area. Hunger Zip. Games to me. Yeah, the, or the Hunger Games. <laughs> um, and that, and that's, that's normal, right? Like, I think... Yeah. 
it helps to kind of step back for a minute and talk about like the spectacle that Amazon put on, which yeah. is like not normal for a big company to do. Like as you said, Google is expanding in New York and there wasn't this big brouhaha about it. Apple is also planning to expand, both of which are like peer companies to Amazon. Uh, but they didn't put on this like national contest where different cities had to basically like beg them to come yeah. uh, and set up shop there. Yeah, yes, and I think but- in particular, a city like New York, uh, which does have this, this clout, uh, does have a lot of talent, doesn't need to lavish Amazon with all these tax breaks and direct cash grants just to bring them there. George? Uh, just to push back a little bit, like it was a big spectacle across the country. I'll agree with that. But Amazon put out an RFP seeking another headquarters and, and companies do that kind of stuff all the time. Like usually they're quiet about it, and but they solicit uh, bids from developers or cities all the time about like, you know, we want to open another campus, another office. What do you have to offer? This was unusual um, because it was, I think, unprecedented in its size and investment amount. And, I mean, you're right. A lot of jurisdictions across the country kind of lost their mind. Like, what did Tucson do? They sent a 20-foot cactus to Seattle? Like, that's kind of weird. So, but I'll I'll defend Amazon a little bit in that they put out this RFP, and then they just kind of kept quiet about it and just waited, and everybody else kind of lost their minds about it. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's what I totally saw. I think that... The way I looked at it, Amazon, I mean, it was brilliant in the sense that it's set up the structure and let the sort of the cities and the jurisdictions fall in and play this game. And I'm wondering, is there a way to separate out um, those incentives, which would be offered anyway to a Google or to a um, to a company that would maybe be lo- more low key about their move from this race to the bottom? Like, how much extra was Amazon able to get because it played this kind of game in the public space of saying we're doing this as opposed to just simply approaching each town individually and being like, well, this is what we're getting from the others. Or would this have happened anyway? And it's just more about that we all saw it instead of well, you know, it being more in the I think The other thing about it is that Amazon released a bunch of parameters that they had kind of a priori of what they wanted to see from a city. And it was something like had to have an international airport, had to have direct flights to Seattle, had to have a certain <laughs> minimum population size. Um, and that already ruled out a bunch of like, you know, small like Midwest towns, other places that were initially trying to bid uh, for Amazon to come. And I think also, if you look at an interesting article which said, uh, which predicted that Amazon was going to pick uh, New York uh, and Northern Virginia, and it was just based on where Jeff Bezos has his homes. Like he has homes in <laughs> Seattle, New York, and DC. And so he was never going to go to like Arkansas or anywhere where he'd have to, you know, take a flight back and forth home. Um, and so I think, again, going back to the original point, I think. New York didn't need uh, to lavish as much as it did on Amazon, these tax breaks and stuff. I think it was already in a very strong position um, given kind of its, its, given the fact that it's like an economic powerhouse, given its location, given its talent pool um, and everything. So kind of go to your point. Yeah, I think it was. I think they did squeeze more out of New York uh, than they otherwise would have been able to get. This is going to probably lead to disagreement because I think there's two sides forming here. One is saying it's they were too lavish. The other being like, no, this is actually reasonable. This is what's normally done. Um, and my, I guess I just want to run with the lavish side for one second. If it is so lavish, then why do it, right? If you're in New York City and you're like, we're the biggest game in town. If you don't come, oh, well, we'll move on, right? Like, we'll be fine. Why participate in the process? What incentives are there on the flip side for people like de Blasio, for Governor Cuomo, for other local politicians to participate in this game, which seemed to end up blowing up in their face at the end of the day. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your answer is good as mine. I'm not sure why they did that. Um, I think they were just so desperate to get what would be a political victory, um, but didn't realize the the strength of their of their negotiating position um, from from the get go. Okay, and 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 also just on the Cuomo point, just sort of internal like thoughts about that. I also feel like there's a Cuomo 2020 lurking out there somewhere, and that may have also been, I think, mm. at least particularly with him, his idea of you know getting Amazon in may have been part of a larger campaign. So, but with but Blasio, he, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what was going on there, given that yeah. his previous background, what he's spoken about. You were saying, Christian? Oh, it's just, I mean, the name was going to be Bezos Cuomo, right? Oh, is that to, really? If they came to New York. Oh wow! Like the actual like Bezos. I think Cuomo that was like I think that was his joke throw in equivalent to the cactus to Seattle. Yeah. Um, so, so from what we're getting here, we don't know why New York... Um, well, I mean, I, I would say that 
whenever a jurisdiction is confronted with something like that, you kind of just got to put your best offer out there because if you really want to land it and you don't know if you're, let's like buying a house, right? You put your offer in, you don't know if you're overbidding over everyone else. The seller might accept your offer and maybe you feel like a sucker because you offered too much money. You could have gotten it for cheaper. Yeah, witness curse. Yeah, yeah. It, you, just, you just don't know. So you kind of, you got to, figure out what it's worth to you right. if you're making a return on your investment if right. you think it's going to benefit your your community in the long run put out your offer and, and see what happens yeah i can't remember if it was phil murphy or um, mayor baraka it was one of the two i heard in a public setting say it would be a crime if newark didn't participate or it would be uh, malpractice i think that was the word um if newark didn't at least participate in the process when he was when one of the two was getting pushback from a from a, a constituent about whether or not New Jersey or Newark should be even courting Amazon. And that was the response I kept hearing was this sort of like, we have to because it's there. We can't, um, we can't not, uh, not at least be part of the, the, the game and, and at least make it onto the list of 20. Um, so yeah. that was my feeling. And I, and I think that's the nature of putting out a set of requirements as opposed to putting out a, you know, a list of metropolitan areas or narrowing it down in the first place, because I'm sure there was a short list that was, you know, as, at the same time that they put out a list of requirements and left the RFP up to uh, cities, which is just, it's, it's, it's that, that part of it is even um, uh, interesting in my mind. When I think of requests for proposals, I think about companies bidding on yeah. someone's business as opposed to a city um, bidding to offer a company tax incentives. Um, but I think the point of that is is to have as many people participate as possible and see who shocks you. I agree that it makes sense to participate, um, but I also agree that in the case of New York, um, yeah, the strength of positioning is something that probably wasn't fully, uh, I don't know, they, they probably didn't get the, the leveling right. Um, that said, of, of all the metropolitan areas and cities specifically in the U.S., there's not many that could easily have absorbed a $3 right. billion dollar tax hit, and New York certainly could have, um, and still, I think, in, made money in tax revenue. But to put a finer point on the shortlist thing, I, I keep wondering, it's a sort of like conspiracy theory, right, that Amazon already had the shortlist, right? And what it was doing was seeing if they put it out there to everyone, like make it you know, a, a sort of yeah. global game. Could they use that? I think this is what you yeah. were saying, right? Could they use that to then go back to the people they were already, you uh, know, absolutely. their top 10 yeah. and drive right. them down in price? Right. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. We, we can't ever know that for certain. Right. But if even if you're going to put together a list of criteria, um, and play, you're going to obviously look into which markets you think are attractive and you think right. would make sense. So right. even, on a, even on just an internal, you know, only share within senior leadership at Amazon level, of course, there's going to be a short list. That it would be irresponsible not to have a list of potentially attractive markets. Right, right. And I think this is where I disagreed a little bit with uh, Mayor Baraka's Washington Post article of last week, mm. where he said oh, it was a surprise that we made onto the 20. I actually think Newark was a strong contender. It's I great. mean, whether whether it be the top oh, five he is a different. Say he was surprised. He said we surprised many. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, on, but, that, but, that, but that's that, that's like. Splitting hairs, I think. I think like this we, idea we of like were, surprise we at Newark. We were very confident. No, that, and that's and I'm yeah. saying that, and I think you guys we shouldn't undersell Newark in that sense of like, is it a uphill battle? Of course, but it, whether or not we're surprised it would make the top twenty, given that we are in I Northern mean, Jersey, probably the most diverse place on this planet, I, right? And like very attractive for a company that wants to look I mean, like they're rebuilding an area. I, I gotta say, when I when yeah. we read the RFP, like we kind of sat back and we said like, this sounds like it was written for Newark. Really? Like, Could you go just, more into that? Actually, like, well, like the RFP, like in the metro with a million people, like 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 uh, Rory was saying, right? It had to be within forty five minutes of an airport. Downtown Newark is within fifteen minutes right. of Newark Airport. Um, uh, or so you had to be within a mile or two of a major highway. We have seven major highways that cut through Newark. Um, the sites had to have transit. Downtown Newark is probably one of the most transit-rich areas um, outside New York City in in the region. Yeah. Um, right between Penn Station and Broad Street Station, we have six NJ transit lines. We have seventeen light rail stations, um, plus a twenty-four hour path access to Manhattan. It's just like you know, criteria after criteria. It sounded like it was written for us, and like we obviously like we knew we had to to compete and throw our hat in the ring. Um, it was kind of funny. I was sitting at home having a little bit of coffee one morning. 
getting ready to go to work when I saw the New York Times article about HQ2. I sent an email to my boss and I was like, oh, maybe we should consider you know, looking at this. Maybe it's a long shot. By the afternoon, it was all hands on deck. You know, everyone's <laughs> kind of like, uh, everyone's getting together. We're going to figure out what we're going to do about this, how we're going to respond. Um, it was it was funny. And, you know, getting on that short list, um, I think it was a real validation for all the work everyone did here to kind of promote Newark and come together and, and really put our best foot forward. Um, and, you know, we've gotten a lot of attention yeah. from other companies because of it. It was a great exercise for the city. And, you know, maybe we're still in, in contention now. We'll see what happens going forward. Um, but even if we don't get Amazon, it was a great exercise for us and is going to be a great tool for attracting other other headquarters and, uh, and jobs to the city. Yeah, that's actually kind of interesting. Like, you could basically go around and be like, "Look what Amazon missed out on. They, you know, they made that, you know, mistake of not coming here." Um, but I also wanted to go to this this sort of question that's lying there. Then, if we did check off all these boxes, why didn't we get it in the end at the first in the first go around? You know, why was it that they went with New York? I mean, I, I can't answer like exactly no, why, they went, why they went to New York. Um, I, I would say they should have come to to Newark. Um, like we were talking about absorption in, in the region, um, we can absorb a lot more, many more jobs and people um, than most other places in the region, and definitely more than what's been going on in Seattle with the high housing prices. You know, the city's population is still 100,000 people fewer than it was in like 1980. Um, so we can we can take on that housing. Um, you know, downtown Newark, I mean, Manny, you know you live here on yes. a Sunday. It's Pretty quiet. Yeah. Like after seven PM, it's still pretty quiet, and we have, uh, you know, about fifteen hundred units under construction right now across the city, um, and several, you know, many thousands uh, in the pipeline. But you know, that's still going to be a drop in the bucket to get back to where where we used to be. Um, so we can we can absorb it. We can be very intentional about it, and with all of these issues of gentrification, all these pressures that you know uh, communities like New York City have, you know. We have the benefit of being a little bit later to the revitalization game and preparing for those those issues, right? So the city passed an inclusionary zoning ordinance, right? right? When you get a tax abatement from the city, we want you to hire local Newarkers to to fill those construction jobs. Um, you know, we're doing those kinds of policies to make sure that as we bring in, you know, new people from outside the city who have money that are going to spend that money here, that some of that money makes its way into the pockets of right. the people that live here, and that the people who live here will be able to live here tomorrow. Um, you know, that's kind of top of mind of like everything we do here in the city. So, so for those inclusionary uh, provisions, how much of that would have applied to an Amazon though? Because I think well, when people talk about the idea of Amazon coming in and the 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 large number of the average salary being hundred fifty thousand is thrown out, and when you're talking about hiring local uh, local workers, and in the case of Newark, local Newarkers. I find it difficult to think that a high percentage of those $150,000 software engineer jobs would be local Newarkers. So, a couple things with that. One, for the inclusionary housing, obviously a corporate headquarters doesn't have any housing, so that doesn't directly apply, but as developers want to build okay, residential so, so units, they would have to set aside 20% of those units to be... Uh, income restricted units, according to like the whole like HUD guidelines and everything like that. In the building itself, or in the, in the building itself, the city's current ordinance does allow for a buyout. You really need to convince the city that you're going to buy out, and that that would go in an affordable housing trust fund to go cycle into new units. Um, but for the most part, the city's preference is that those units get built on site within the building, interspersed, like we have in the Haynes Building or One Theater Square or. Uh, the Walker House, you know, five uh, five forty Broad Street, and are, and are those income based? Uh, those are income based, yeah. Okay, they're because in order to finance them, there are like state tax credits that mm -hmm. go into it, um, in order to help subsidize the the lower rent. Yeah. Um, so there's you know strong state guidelines on on what those income limits are. They're set by the state. As far as the jobs, the inclusion, like we can't force a company to hire local new workers to work in their company. Um, we do it. We give like try to give you a tax credit. So what we do. With a property tax abatement is when you build something, we want you to hire local contractors to help build your headquarters. Um, and obviously we want you to hire local Newarkers as much as we can. And we've been working to create like STEM programs and working with like NJIT. Yeah. Um, and no, not all 50,000 jobs would get filled by everyone with a Newark address, but we think a significant number of them could be, or that people would come to Newark to fill those jobs and become part of the community. All right, Newark isn't, 
we're a very diverse community. There's people that come here from all over. Like I wasn't originally born in Newark. You know, I've only lived here six years, but I grew up right next door. Right? Mm -hmm. Do I? You know, it's. You kind of want to bring everyone together, kind of holistically like that. So actually, I want to ask a quick um, <coughs> mechanical question about the bidding process. Um, when that happened, I know there was a heavy state involvement. I think it started. Yeah. Christie was still governor yes. at that point, which was the weirdest. Mm combination of people I ever saw on one stage was uh, Christy Booker and Baraka all together. They're joined in hands and, you know, ready to go. Happy family. Yeah, I know. Um, but what was interestingly missing, at least in the public view, um, are the other... I mean, Newark is big, but it's also relatively small compared to um, other jurisdictions and other... Um, for the largest city in the state, it's actually relatively small physically. Were towns like Belleville, Bloomfield, Montclair, Elizabeth, um, were they also involved with Newark's bid process? No. Okay. Um, no, not directly like that. And we know a few other communities in the state sent uh, bids to the state. They wanted to be part of it. Um, you know, Camden, Jersey City, New Brunswick, I think Trenton. Um, I'm not sure who else. I'm sure several others. The state decided that we had the best shot if the state kind of got behind, behind one one jurisdiction, and they chose Newark as the state's largest city, as the city with the as the city's as the uh, excuse me city with the best transit access, um, you know, for a whole host of reasons. Um, you know, we have we still have large developable parcels um, in downtown, a lot of surface parking lots that can accommodate giant towers, um, and they decided to get behind us. Um, I think a few towns sent their proposals to Amazon anyway, <laughs> um, and from New Jersey. Um, but, uh, <laughs> the rogue, the rogue town, <laughs> yeah, a, a couple did. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, Amazon chose, chose us cause we made the most sense here in the state. Um, and just a quick, I, just because you mentioned it, it, it would be interesting to know where, did you get buy-in from those surface level parking lot people? So, yeah. They're, they're, it's floating out on the, on the internet. You can see the sites that we had proposed, um, as potential sites for, for Amazon. Obviously the city doesn't own a right. whole lot of public land right in the downtown that we could have offered up. Um, so we had to work with the private developer community. Um, most of the big developers in in the city were, you know, obviously willing to sell or rent or whatever right. private negotiation they would have to come up with um, to build something for yeah. Amazon. Or yeah. if not, there's always eminent domain. <laughs> I guess right. I guess that would have gotten expensive. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> but of course. Yeah, yeah, you have to pay fair value, <laughs> uh, fair market value for that. But I mean, it, it push comes to up. shove. Not, you yeah, can force. but like you know, and again, like the the private community, the institutions, the nonprofits, so they all kind of came together came together yeah. and you know you, you never it's hard to get a bunch of developers to agree on anything yes. and to start sharing information like that but uh but it was you know it was a good process yeah. i just want to put a pin on this conversation not to throw it off a little bit but i want to leave that for the end about newark specific i just want to go back a little bit to new york to sort of flesh out the end of the story because we talked about the bidding process we talked about amazon finally selecting um arlington northern virginia and um new york in the form of long island city Things go quiet for what about two, three months? When did this happen? It was in December? I think it was like a Christmas announcement, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, no, the uh, tail of November. November. It was like, oh, it was November. Okay, it was like right after Election Day. Oh, it was okay, right after Election Day. Um, so that happens. Things go relatively quiet, at least in the the blogosphere, the internet sphere, and then comes two weeks ago, um, and everything seems to be coming to a head at a moment. Do you guys have any comments about like that story? Um, particularly, we have two New Yorkers in the room. What was going on on the ground level, or was it completely? Did you guys? Did it seem like quiet to you, and then all of a sudden, pop, it disappeared. Yeah, still from Newark. Well, yes, it, sorry, yes, <laughs> identifies as a New Yorker, but works in. Uh, sorry, identifies as a New Yorker, but um, works in New York City. No, I mean, out of many places, yeah. uh, I think people spoke. Uh, like Amazon has been um, pretty publicly uh, not in favor of of its talent population organizing in unions, and this. The entire democratic machine of New York historically has been uh, um, has always had a strong base of, of union um, power, kind of, and and being just pro labor in general. So that was always going to be a conflict. That um, I think I think if I'm if I'm someone that's working for uh, New York State governance or city governance, that you would think that the company would just be able to work with local folks and local organizations and basically appease them by having STEM programs set up with uh, schools or, or districts within the city, similar to what I know some of the uh, newer companies uh, work with NJIT and work with local charter schools to sort of 
essentially do their part to be a good corporate citizen. And Amazon, um, even thinking back to my time living in Seattle, is a bit here or there when it comes to that. When when they've with with their development in South Lake Union, it's not um, there's not necessarily this uh, corporate idea that for each new development or each new building or each new um, yeah thousand or few thousand workers that they bring into the city that they need to do something to give back. And I think that contrasting to Seattle and contrasting to other smaller cities, um, organizers in New York just didn't necessarily need to take a back seat to that. They, they are building, was it a 40,000 square foot homeless shelter attached to their new tower in Seattle? Uh, yeah. Place? Oh, Amazon is. Amazon. Okay. Yeah. But so homelessness has also increased yeah. 4% in the last year. Yeah, and it's, it's so 12,000 people yeah. out of a city of 750,000. So I, 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 I don't want to say that they don't do any, they're, they're not, that they're like a corporate terrible citizen. I don't want to say that. They're, um, obviously, yes, you're correct. They, they um, spend a lot of money helping, but I just, they do know what it's like kind of living in there and seeing just year after year the, and going back and visiting, seeing the city change. Um, seeing homelessness be visibly um, an increasing issue in specifically San Francisco and Seattle where the affordable rent and um, or the inclusionary rent is, you know, $1,500 if you make under, I think, 60K or something or 60, 61,000, I think, in SF. And then 1,500 might be if you make under 55K in Seattle. Um, and that's not, I don't, when I think about uh, definitely Newark and then even thinking about Long Island City, that's uh, those numbers don't add up for a lot of the people that are currently citizens of both. Right. And that's what, um, going back to your uh, question about what's happened in the last three months in New York City, um, people realized that and people spoke up about it. But that, but that funny thing is it, it wasn't like the f- official organs of New York City and New York State said no. It was Amazon itself. You know, coming forward and saying we're no longer doing this. I mean, well, maybe it was leading there. I don't know. As I understand it, um, the New York State Senate appointed someone uh, to the board that would eventually have the final say on whether Amazon could come there. And right. he was someone, uh, Michael. Michael Gennaris. Yeah, he yeah. was known to be against the deal. So it, it effectively meant that it was off the table. Yeah. So uh, the, and so Amazon kind of walked away rather than be pushed. Yeah, so I'm going to put this in the website online uh, as part of the show notes. Um, But um, I think it was Vox uh, pointed out that this was actually very similar to what occurred. If you guys remember this when we were very young, when the Jets were going to build the stadium on the west side. Yeah. Yeah, and then some point out this is exactly the same thing that happened where the New New York State and New York City came together, put a bid, it was ready to go. And then one particular state senator was appointed to this board that's like very powerful about controlling is it land use particular or something like that and i'll I'll put the article online it's very fascinating how similar these things came together there was an announcement and then completely fell apart within a few months um Um, yeah and just sorry just go back to your original question about kind of what happened afterwards so i think originally there was kind of this elation of oh we've won uh the the bid to for amazon to come to new york city but then I think people started reflecting, you know, what did we actually win? Um, I think it's worth remembering that even before this whole process, there was already a lot of resentment against Amazon as a company, um, even independent of this deal. And I think there are kind of two separate questions here. One is, do you want Amazon, period, to come to your city? Uh, and two, do you think this deal uh, actually makes sense and is worth it? Um, I think there are a lot of people that are kind of just against Amazon, period, because of its record, as you mentioned, uh, being kind of anti-union. Uh, those articles that came out about the horrible conditions in their warehouses of people kind of collapsing because of overheat, couldn't have bathroom breaks. Um, I was reading something about how the, uh, they kind of had to deal with the with the, um, government agencies, the CIA, um, to basically do, uh, develop like facial recognition software um, that people were very concerned about those being used to fight crime. So I think there uh uh, Bernie Sanders and a few of the senators in the in the U.S. Congress put together the Stop Bezos Act, um, which basically pointed out that I think something like a third of Amazon's warehouse workers are, are on food stamps, uh, and so that the U.S. government is effectively already subsidizing uh, Amazon's uh, Amazon's workforce. So I think there are already a lot of reasons that people were against Amazon, um, and those people just kind of um, became more emboldened um, by the fact that Amazon was coming to New York City um, and the fact that 
the state was giving all these like these massive tax credits to them. Um, and so it kind of then snowballed from there um, into kind of a rejection of the deal. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think it's very easy, and I, and I do this myself, um, to conflate general tech company coming to area and giving yeah. incentives, and Amazon in particular, which I think a lot of people have specific hangups. And it's very easy to say, look how many jobs that we're rejecting and not realizing that there's that alternative argument that people are saying, well, we just don't want Amazon in particular as opposed to, you know, let's say with Google. I mean, Google has its own issues as well, but mm-hmm. like I, I imagine the conversation would be different if it were Google yeah. putting out the similar kind of bid. Um, but so, um, I don't know, does anyone have any other comments about the New York process or do you want to move on to? Just, I think, I think it's always worth it to just men- just emphasize that I think it's about housing too. Um, mm-hmm. Like the affordability numbers and the idea that what would be considered a very high salary most places in the U.S. or you know, something like twice the median of the U.S. salary becomes affordable housing in the cities where giant tech companies are most prominent and where Amazon itself has been most prominent um, speaks to what could happen in a worst case in um, here in the tri-state as well. And, uh, you know, I think also when it comes to adding a homeless shelters or trying to attack homeless, uh, a homelessness issue um, after homelessness rises is commendable in one, in one aspect or in one regard. But homelessness really stems from there not being affordable housing available more than anything. And so that's, I think, the biggest, like, rents is already increasing so much in New York City, and it's the boroughs outside and adjacent to Manhattan. And it's already uh, probably the, the city's largest major issue is, is like, housing is, is on everyone's tongues and on everyone's minds mm-hmm. and on voters' minds. And so bringing more of that and increasing that tension, I think is the, would have been the, this the biggest challenge. So, so I want to go with something you mentioned, you said voters' minds, and this is the kind of thing I want to flesh out here of who did the actual, like who was speaking and who wasn't. Mm. Um, and this is where I think I'm touching a third rail here, but I, I'm going to bring it up. Was it just simply AOC, Janaris, and Johnson coming forward and that was just a trifecta that could kill it? Or was there actually a groundswell? that came up and there were actual people who really didn't want Amazon to come. And there was actually, you know, support on the ground. Um, or did one, did one cause the other? I mean, I'm trying to parse that out a little bit and see if who was that opposition coming from, or was it a bit of, I don't want to call it astroturfing cause I wouldn't, I wouldn't call that of those people astroturfers, but were they maybe speaking a little louder than what the actual, you know, constituents of that they represent more feeling i think there was a significant base led by uh alexandria ocasio cortez and others uh that was against the deal um i would say yeah i mean they were a vocal group a vocal minority um but i think i think it's i don't think it's right to say that it was only those politicians i think they did have support uh from people in the community in what they were saying Okay, um, so let's m- move the conversation back to um, to Newark and whether or not Amazon is going to come to Newark now, whether or not it should. Um, I mean, as I say this, we do have an Amazon um, or a Bezos-owned company. I don't know the structure, but... The Amazon, on, Amazon subsidiary. Yeah. Okay, so they so they actually are a subsidiary of Amazon itself. Um, Independent subsidiary, yeah. whatever the technology but they, is. They are connected to Amazon. Mm-hmm. They're already and a here. large subsidiary, like $2, two billion I, ARR. I, I'm not sure what their annual okay. revenue is. I know they have about 1,400 employees here in New York. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're talking about Audible, right? Mm-hmm. And the lar- the largest, I think, um, uh, e-book seller, uh, or sorry, audio yeah. book seller uh, in the world. Um so what is it – is is what Mayor Baraka wrote, that op-ed, is that a formal invitation to come back and have Amazon reconsider? Is it part of a larger project? Well, I think, you know, if, if you read some of the, the articles that have come out since then, um, Aisha Glover, um, the former – excuse me, former president from NCEDC and now the Newark Alliance has said that, you know, we never stop reaching out to Amazon and to New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, because we understand it's a lot for just LIC. We thought maybe we could spread it out a little bit because um, we are so close, you know, geographically, so easy to get to. Um, you know, we're, we're the tax credits are still available. The land is still available. We're still ready to talk if they want to build, you know, this you know, two and a half billion dollar, I guess, investment um, it would be now all at once. We're still here. Um, but again, this was going to be a 10 year 
play for them, right? They weren't going to drop 50,000 jobs in anywhere overnight, right? And it's going to take time, right? Um, and when they're ready to grow um, and when they're ready to look outside Crystal City and Nashville and Seattle and look at the other communities, you know, we're, we're still here. You know, we'll be ready to uh, accommodate them to grow these jobs or any other, you know, uh, big corporate player, right? This isn't just about Amazon in particular for Newark, right? It's not like it's not like we're all having yeah. Amazon stock and can't wait for them to come here. It's we want to bring jobs and investment to the city, um, kind of jumpstart a lot of that. And again, like we said, grow in a very intentional, inclusive manner. And this was one way to kind of capture a, a large amount of investment. Um, and... Are there any other companies that we're thinking about? Um, I, I understand that like this may be part of a, when I said a larger project, I meant like outside of Amazon. Do we know of any other companies that might be thinking about? If doing I did, I wouldn't similar? be able to tell you. Right, that. of course. Yeah, <laughs> as I ask it, I realize it's, you know. I mean, we do have Mars Wrigley is moving uh, 500 jobs right, to, yeah. to Newark, which is nice because you know the they were they found they were founded here many many years ago mm-hmm. and then moved out to Hackenstown. Um, Mars did. And so they're moving some jobs from Chicago, some jobs from Hackettstown, and creating some new jobs. And they're going to be right in the Ironside building um, yeah. by Prudential Center on Mulberry Commons. So that's exciting. Um, but, you know, we, we always talk to different companies looking to relocate their headquarters here um, and just try, you know, sell them on Newark. Tell them why it's such a great, great idea to move here. Wow. Um, and I guess this would be punting it back to the other side. Like, do you think Amazon or other companies like that should come to Newark? I mean, let's let's separate out the the baggage that Amazon brings with it um, and just talking about general, not even a tech company, but like Mars Wrigley, I wouldn't consider, I mean, I'm sure they have tech operations, sure. but yeah. when I think of them, I think of chocolate and gum. I think not, not, I don't think of like, you know, drones that may conquer us at some point. That'd in the future. be weird. I know. Chocolate drones. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, so like, what do you guys think about, you know, having a company that large come into a place like Newark, which is large, but not that large. So I think I think Newark's incredible for all the reasons that were listed in the Amazon proposal and and then some. Um, I was curious to ask earlier about how significant or insignificant the port of Newark or port of Newark and New York was. I mean, the port is definitely an amazing asset for the city and for the region. Um, I don't know how important the port itself is for a corporate headquarters. Because you know, for distribution and everything, obviously, it's critically important in for, New York for to, Amazon. For Amazon, and you know, I'm sure they would have use the port a bit, but again, we're mainly talking about like programmers and business guys, not so much people, you know, maybe they would have been certain amount of logistics and they needed to like go down to the port themselves, I'm not sure. Um, But the port is obviously one of our bigger, bigger selling points when we try to attract people here, especially for like middle class industrial type jobs, which, you know, people kind of forget, you know, everything east of the turnpike, there's a big uh, industrial section out by Doremus, um, which, you know, is pretty job intensive and and those are like middle class jobs, you know, working the middle class jobs. And or just to uh, put, uh, make it more specific, we're talking like manufacturing. Are we talking about warehousing? Like when you're talking about the Doremus area, I mean it's both. Um, okay. There's a, I mean a couple of uh, a couple of companies that have moved out there in the last few years since I've been at NCEDC. Um, HelloFresh, which is like a Blue oh. Apron type company, they have their big like New York Metro yep. or like East Coast distribution centers out there. Um, Fabulewood, which is a, a company that moved from Jersey City. To build like a 1.1 million square foot like warehouse, they do cabinet assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of stuff comes over from China. They finish the cabinets. They ship them off to like I guess like Home Depot and other other centers like that. And that's like 600 jobs. Mm-hmm. That's like 600 more jobs than we had before. And obviously, not all of those people live in the city limits, but some of them do, right? And they're paying payroll taxes and they're contributing to the economy of the city. And we want to keep growing things like that um, throughout the industrial area. And you know, kind of capture all segments, right, of the of the labor force, right? We want to yeah. have the high-tech jobs. We want to have the business jobs. We want to have the manufacturing jobs. We want to have the warehousing jobs. We want to we want to be an inclusive city for everybody. Right. Yeah. And, and, and to be clear, I think in, in Seattle, Amazon started, and most of their offices for HQ are in South Lake Union, more industrial tech-focused now. But they started off in, in Soto or south of downtown, which is, um, I guess South Lake Union at one point was very industrial, too, in that city. But Soto in Seattle is extremely industrial even today, and there's tons of warehouses. And so if they came here, I'm sure there would be some benefits to having the tech and sales powerhouse sort of white-collared roles downtown Newark and then being a 10-minute drive over to warehouses where they could, you know, see what's most efficient, et cetera. Uh, But, yeah, answering your original question about Newark's um, prominence or, or how great Newark would be for a potential company, 
uh, I think port is a good, or a port city is a good analogy. Um, if anyone's ever played Settlers of Catan, yes. <laughs> um, I look at it as a city that's between a dice roll of a six and a dice roll of an eight. If you look at Philadelphia and Wait, that New never city, happens in Catan. Can you ever have an eight in a So if you have a there? port, you, have, you can have two different properties yeah. that are high, I am not high value. <laughs> <laughs> so get, get deep nerding out. Basically, when you have New York City and Philadelphia, and those are you know very high chances good things happen, right. then Newark is sandwiched in the middle, but also has some of its own strategic advantages okay. over both because the airport isn't necessarily inundated in the same way as the others because it's this uh, transit bridge between all of these places. It's and it's and it's frankly under underappreciated in a lot of yeah. ways, and so there, there's some advantages there. So I think Newark's fantastic for for uh, a conglomerate to come, especially if, as George mentioned, they're, they're willing to kind of collaborate and, and be inclusionary or just be a, a, a corporate partner. Yeah, Newark, the sheep port of the future, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, this actually is interesting. You mentioned inclusivity and you know, white collar workers, blue collar workers, and whether or not that distinction will matter in the future is an interesting question in its own right. Mm. Um, but I'm wondering, you know, whether or not we're caught in this sort of Tolstoyan wave of the of wave of the history, or just like is there is Newark going to change? Is that a good thing? Um, like I, obviously, better you know, much more economic stability, housing, and um, people being able to create their own lives here is great. But I'm wondering when we bring a huge influx of what are probably going to be predominantly white tech workers, does Newark lose that? Yeah, sort of appeal. I mean, not appeal, but the, the sort of soul that it has. Yeah, I, I like to address that a little bit. Um, I mean, cities are always changing, right? right? Like Newark's always changing. Like Newark was, you know, a 19th century industrial powerhouse with tanneries, and then we became this, you know, city of a half a million people, and you know, we had a, obviously a large influx of African Americans with the Great Migration, and then. With white flight, the city became majority minority, and you know the even different neighborhoods. The Ironbound was first mainly Italian, and now it's Portuguese. But we don't lament that it's not Italian anymore. Like it's fine. Like things change. What's important is that things change. You know, I guess like naturally, right? You don't want to force anyone to leave or to disrupt their lives. Um, if somebody wants to move out because they have a better opportunity or move somewhere else, like that's fine, right? People are going to do that. Um, you just need to make sure that, you know, we protect the people who are here now. Like, the city's always going to change. Like, you know, we're, we're down from our peak population. We want to grow back up again. We want to become more economically powerful. We want a lot of the vacant buildings on Broadway Market to be occupied again. That's not a bad thing if that happens, right? Like, we can't – I feel like everyone kind of goes back to when they were in their early 20s and wherever they lived, like – New York City was so great in the 70s, people in the 50s say, right? Because like, yeah. it's when they were young and like experiencing the city, right? And I'm sure you talk to other people now, and they're like, oh, the 90s was so great in New York, and it's so different now. Right. And 50 years from now, people are going to be saying the same thing about right now, right? Like, things change, and, and that's fine. You just need to make sure that there's no negative effects to actual people's lives as the change occurs. And that's that's the important thing. Uh, in general or specifically to new workers that are already here? I mean, in general, everywhere, but like definitely for new workers who are here, right? Like um, you, live, you live in your house, you have your social network, you have your job, you have all that kind of stuff. If you're forced to be uprooted from that and have to move miles away, that's like a huge social cost to somebody, right? That's like, you know, so, tremendous amount of social capital that you lose. Maybe you had a friend down the street that was like your babysitter for free and now you don't have that anymore. And like, so all of a sudden life gets much more harder. Um, you need to protect those kinds of people to make sure they can keep um, that kind of network, keep that, keep that in their lives. Yeah, I, I keep wondering if we're going to have our Brooklyn moment and like whether or not we'll become, or I guess a better analogy will be Jersey City or Hoboken where it's unrecognizable, but I think it still has that ghost there. Yeah, I, again, like, uh, and again, Newark is small, but we're still a city of neighborhoods. And mainly mm -hmm. when we're talking about yeah. the change, we're, re yeah. we're really talking about like downtown yeah. and you know probably a significant part of the Iron Mound just because of its proximity to Penn Station. Um, you know, we fully expect Central no. Ward. Yeah, but like you know, Central Ward down in Springfield Avenue is going to take a little bit longer probably to like, see that kind of investment rather than well, I mean, Queen Latifah's building some units down there. there I was going to say, like the, <laughs> the, the, I'll take that back. <laughs> the great developer, forget about Amazon, Queen Latifah <laughs> Incorporated. Shaq uh, Theater got in there early. Shaq. <laughs> um, uh, 
but yeah, downtown, like, you know, we want to see more towers. We want to see more people. We want to see more retail. Um, and that's fine. Like, as long as, again, like the mom and pop shops that are here now stay open, as long as the people that live here now um, get to live here and, you know, enjoy those jobs and, you know, get to shop at those new retail and, and get to be part of the fabric of the city. Yeah, I wonder if I'll just flee to Northward once everything changes irreparably downtown and be like, oh, my old Newark, I still have it up here. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's I, I agree that it's a city of neighborhoods. I think the city, Newark, and it's just its history has been, has kind of protected itself from a lot of outside interruption and then sort of external um, disruption of its power being consolidated and just protectivist within the city for worse and better at times. Um, I know, I think the the last decade and a half maybe, or just decade has been probably the first time in many years that a lot of companies and outside forces have felt comfortable coming into the city. And that's why our downtown looks so different today than it did when either of us were growing up and probably when you were growing up, you know, here as well. Um, but like the, the, it's, I don't know how many cities in America have had minority mayor black mayor for since since the 70s right. i don't know how many cities in america have um even looking around this room and just think that people on the podcast listening can't can't see what's in this room <laughs> right now um but there's just a lot of history that's from the the pictures in the room are basically collections of folks from the african-american diaspora that have been impactful in some way and it reflects the energy of the space and also just the town that um, I do think there's a spirit of the city that does matter. And looking at cities like Seattle that at one point were 20% African-American and now it's two to four and San Francisco, it's very similar. That's what I, and, and then knowing that historically folks from Newark and we're going back and forth to Seattle and San Francisco and, and collaborating with thinkers and activists there and seeing what those places have become today, that's when I think about, uh, you know, in including, again, for, for worse and better, even our, our mayor's father, um, mm. that's when I think about Newark meaning something just as a, as a brand, as an idea, as a concept. And I do want to hold on to that. While, yes, uh, you know, having opportunity, because it does make a difference when you, you're in school here and you see that you could go make 100, 200 grand right down the street in Newark at Audible. There wasn't Audible yeah. when we were growing up here either. So that matters, but that, that spirit of the city matters as well. And being a place not just for that African-American tradition, but as a place where immigrants and populations from the world over could come and make a landing. It's still a place, especially when you think of the East Ward and Ironbound, um, where play, people can come and sort of be their landing spot in America. And that's been a huge part of the tradition of the city. And if we could keep that while having, you know, a, a golden white collar possibility available, that's what I would want to see for, for Newark. So it's funny you mentioned that. I keep, this is something that like sort of is in the dark recesses of my brain, but like what, you know, does Newark stop becoming an immigrant city no. when we start having those companies come in? I mean, when I, when I think of immigrant city, I mean, obviously New Jersey has been a hub for um, high skilled immigrants for, for the last 30, 40 years, but the sort of low skilled, a lot of them end up being undocumented workers. Obviously, all, they'll always be there. There always will be a population. But it, will it stop being a good one-third, you know, of the population? Um, is that part going to change? Which I think was always constant, at least, even back to the, the era of the, the tanneries with all the Germans and the Scots coming in. I think, I think as long as immigrants are coming into the United States, Newark is going to be a landing spot for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, the communities are here, right? And, like, you know, people people join these communities. I mean, that's why, like, your family came here. That's why my family came here. Um, it's to be, you know, be comfortable be with those people. Um, and, like, even if, you know, 100,000 more people were to move into the downtown New York tomorrow and they were all white, the city was, this, <laughs> which is not going to happen, right? It's just not going to happen. With just the demographics of the country are just changing, right? Um, but even if that were, well... <laughs> But even if that were to happen, like the city would go from like fifty to forty percent like African American, like it's like right, it's there's the city's like half African American. That tradition's always going to be here. Yeah. Obviously, you still need to protect it. You should always be vigilant. Um, it's a very important tradition to protect. I completely agree with you on that. Um, and but I think just the way Newark 
develops, it's it wants to see the development. I'm talking about like, you know, I think regular people on the street. Like, you know, I think most people have positive feelings when they see the towers go up and the new developments yeah. and, and shops reopen. And they want to be a part of it, yeah. right? Um, I know I remember like when Whole Foods opened, there wasn't a outcry, oh, no, this is the harbinger of gentrification. It was more like, well, it's about time that we got a Whole Foods yeah. like grocery store yeah. in downtown yeah. Newark. Yeah. Like, you know, I want to shop there. And if you go shop at that Whole Foods, the people that work there, the people that shop there look like a cross-section of the city. Yeah. yeah. No, it's always amazing to walk in that Whole Foods and just see who's getting like a full, you know, cartload of groceries and like just the amount of different people that are there. Um, it just blows my mind. Um, but I, I keep wondering, like, how much destruction will there be of – because we talk about new buildings and stuff like that. But is are we going to lose a lot of those cool buildings downtown so, because they don't fit that model of what we're looking e- for when a big tech company comes in or a big company? So so I don't want to get it twisted. Like, we're – this is a very diverse panel. Like, all four of us are, are, are like, diverse in a way. And all of us, people that look like us and are from backgrounds like us, shop at Whole Foods too. Yeah. I think that's something that people get mixed up when they think about gentrification of areas. Like, ev- there's a, a range of economic classes and a range of just sort of where people are at in their life for folks from every diverse ethnic and, and cultural background. That said, when it comes to Newark always being a place where people can land, I do question that if the one bedroom becomes $1,500 um, as opposed to $1,500 right now, you could rent an entire house in the west or central and part of the east. Like every ward in the city, there's still places. And Yeah, and that's why, I mean, again, like there are going to be different pressures on different neighborhoods, right? And mm. you know, calling out the Ironbound in downtown for some of those like smaller market rate units. And that's why things like inclusionary zoning are important. Um, I mean, part of the reason is just that construction is expensive. And, like, when you're in a region with a housing boom, like, you know, the New York metro region, I think construction costs have gone up by, like, a third in the last Mm. few years. Mm. So that makes projects more expensive. And if you can't – right, if you're building a tower in, let's say, Jersey City versus Newark, you're paying the carpenter the same amount of money, right, to, like, work both projects. But you're getting, like, twice the rent in Jersey City. Already. Right? So, like, your your costs are the same. Um, So that that affects a lot of things. Um, And, like, just – I mean, that's the thing. Like, new housing is more expensive. Like, you got more, you know, health and safety uh, codes you need to follow, all that kind of stuff. Um, what, what are stuff. you? What are your thoughts on just the the kind of renovation or refurbishing of a lot of the rich housing inventory we already have? Like the South Ward, there's these brand brownstones and mansions essentially yeah. that are the same. You know, were built the same time and built with the same material as million dollar brownstones in Harlem or Brooklyn or Manhattan. And they're just, you know, the prices are already going up a lot. And and as I'm sure some of us have seen, but it's still more speculative. Yeah. I mean, I I don't really want to get into flippers and that kind of stuff, but like, I mean, I live in Forest Hill and I live in one of the more modest homes, I guess, in Forest Hill, but it's still pretty big, especially for me coming from like a tiny one bedroom apartment in the Ironbound where our living room was, about a foot wider than our couch. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we moved out when our baby was about two months old, three months old, and it was, it was starting to get really cramped. Um, but like Forest Hill, like it's amazing. Like, you know, these giant, giant homes, and some of them are absolutely immaculate, but every once in a while there's a house that's been vacant for like five years. Yep. And there's still like investment that needs to come in there. And these are houses that, right, like some of them, at least this one, you know, I can afford. That house was in. South Orange, yeah. I, w- I would not be buying that house. That'd be, you know, yeah. the million and a half dollar house, two million dollar house. I just Double the price it. of Montclair from there, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh it's, it's, so, you know, you want to see people move into these houses and restore them and bring them back and, you know, you know put their financial equity and sweat equity into, into maintaining, you know, property in the neighborhood. Um, that's, you know, we shouldn't think that's a bad thing. Um, but, you know, you're right. Like, affordability is always going to be an issue. Um, and... This again, the administration's here in, in Newark is trying to take steps to to combat that and kind of get ahead of it. Whether it's inclusionary zoning or like you know the city's trying to build 27 units of affordable housing on Clinton Avenue, yeah. on the old bank building, you know Clinton and Chadwick. Um, you know we're we're taking steps like that um, to try to try to get ahead of the curve. Yeah, I um, just want to open up to any last comments that our guests have, or any last questions or you know thoughts on on Amazon in general about Newark changing and. You know, any businesses coming down here, if there's any last points people want to bring up? 
Um, if not, so I'll wrap up the podcast. Um, that's it for this episode. I'd like to thank our guests, Rory, Christian, and George. Um, this is Manny Antunes, host and producer of the Pod and Market podcast, editing and sound engineering by Byphrase, uh, podcast logo and design provided by Robert Conti, additional creative input by Samantha Cateus. If you have a subject you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, please email podandmarket at gmail.com or contact the pod through social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I would like to end a quote from one of my favorite books, uh, Infinite Jest by uh, David Foster Wallace. CT had taken down in Condensa's founding motto, Teokidere possunt sed te edere non pusset nefas est, which roughly translates to, they can kill you, but the legalities of eating you are quite a bit dicier. Thank you. Have a good weekend.